Hey there, ladies and germs. Uh, this is Elder Bryson. Welcome to I Like Your Style. Uh, we are here with Sean Smith from Ashland Station, a post-grunge outfit out of uh, Seattle, Washington. We're very excited to have you here. How's it going, Sean? I'm doing well. Doing good. Yeah, doing good and well, like Superman and the grammatically correct version. I love it. Um, so, tell us a little bit about Ashland Station. What 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 are you what are you guys doing? Well, I've been um, doing the music under the Ashland Station uh, moniker for like 14 years or so. Um, it's just kind of trying to blend a whole bunch of different sounds together that I grew up listening to and enjoying like everything from classic rock to grunge to um you know uh electronica that i got into in the 90s and uh, uh goth music like whatever like i could get my hands on that was awesome um and trying to incorporate my favorite elements of those into my own music and uh so you know i kicked out uh, like 10 songs or so uh by the end of 2010 and then another EP in 20, late 2014. Uh, and that one w was a lot weirder and stranger and <laughs> darker. But uh, since then, I've been uh, just uh, going with whatever floated my fancy. I, it, a lot of the stuff I was working on last year was very grunge sounding. And a lot of the stuff I'm working on now is very stoner rock. So um, we'll see what happens this year. I've got three singles already out this year. And I got another one that is in my head even in my dreams right now so i'm trying to get that one done as well and that one's even heavier and doomier than the one i put out in may that's awesome i, I love i love trying to transpose a song that you hear in your dreams onto actual <laughs> you know wax as they used to call it or, or tape and now it now it's all digital but um <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm I grew all up about with tapes. I had tapes all over the place. You could throw a tape across the room, and uh, you could still play it. it yep, great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's fun. Um, yeah, I'm all about those multiple influences too. Friggin', uh, you know, back when I was young, it was just there was no music other than punk rock, and then I discovered Rage Against the Machine, and that led me to a whole new world of different sound possibilities. It's so much fun. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, well, Rage came came in with that groove, that kind of funk metal sound, you know, that kind of uh, paved the way for new metal, love, love it or hate it. Um, but, you know, I love the Deftones to this day. And that first Korn album is like is like a catharsis. Like, it's like better than a month of therapy. <laughs> just Absolutely. listen to that CD once. <laughs> That's what I just speak. I just saw Deftones on my birthday last year. It was a it was a blast. They uh, they opened for the Cure. It was a really weird lineup, but uh, it was the Cure, <laughs> Pixies, Deftones, uh, Joy Formidable, Mogwai. That was a fun show. Um, wow. So diving into it, uh, what what's one thing that you wish you had known uh, when, when you back in 2010 when you released uh, your first uh, album and your, those ten songs? What do you wish you knew then, back going back in time? You know, I didn't even know anything about distribution or anything. I just put it up on Bandcamp, and it was like you get a couple hits right away, and then it just falls into the the depths of Bandcamp and disappears. And I had no concept of social media um, marketing or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to get it out of my hard drive and somewhere in the cloud where someone might find it. You know, to say, oh, like this is the this is what 
he did during his life. Look, there's this piece of music left over that we can still listen to and delve into his psyche. <laughs> like a digital tombstone almost. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's proof that I existed and that I, I, I made something. <laughs> exactly. That, that's huge. Um, I, I saw you, you posted something on Instagram the other day with uh, there, there was a young child. Is that your son, your nephew? Your, who is that? Yeah, I have two kids, uh, a five-year-old boy and a two-year-old daughter. Um, and that was, that's her. She likes to come in and interrupt all my sessions and like <laughs> take down my lights and get up in my camera while I'm recording. And so it, it's been a balancing act, especially with the shutdown, because, you know, we can't drop them off anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. So and they're not in preschool and they're not at kids club or anything. So. Wow. Yeah, that's. That's that's got to be interesting. It's it's probably. What would you say the challenges of being a father and a, and a recording artist are? Um, just time. Your time, your free time, and your own personal time goes to almost zero. Uh, if it was on a graph and you were looking at it, <laughs> and uh, and having a two year old is even worse because like they don't even they they get upset when you leave the room or you try to go to the store. So um, it's it's time management, really. Like, um, you know, sometimes, I don't know if I should say this, but we'll give them their tablets or put on Netflix for them for an hour so that we can go do something. Like, my wife needs help in the garden. Or, um, you know, I run upstairs to scream into a microphone for a half an hour and, <laughs> and just gather content or try to put down some ideas. Because um, I used to be able to just sit in the basement at the old house for, for hours <laughs> working on music, you know, yeah. and it was really just when my wife needed me that I needed to stop. But when you have kids, you know, you, you do have to kind of stop what you're doing and drop everything for a little bit, you know, so that's been tough. But, you know, you find the time somewhere. Somehow I've done it. Somehow I've put out three songs this year, <laughs> despite all of this. So that's thoroughly impressive. Um, <laughs> another thing, you know, I mean, there's there's the traditional uh, trope of musicians, you know, being all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I know that's that's mm -hmm. me. Uh, what what is that like as a dad? Like, what is where does that come into play? Well, you know, I I had all my time with a lot of that stuff back when I was younger and um, and more interesting. Um, you know, me and my wife would go to concerts all the time, and that was a huge bonding thing for us. But, you know, I I had my share of enlightenment in my late teens, early 20s, and, you know, I've had to work in a professional environment since then, so I can't, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I enjoy my, um, my evenings, and we have, me and my wife share a beer when I get home from work every day and talk about our day and stuff and you know it's just a little more mellow now and you can't get out to as many shows and everything else so you kind of just have to make your own party hey and uh, that, that works for you know a lot of people i you know i i don't know i don't know how you do it but i'm impressed um <laughs> what, what what are some uh what, what's an album that you've listened to lately that's kind of that's new to you that uh has really inspired your music lately oh man I've been just getting into a lot of compilations on YouTube of, of psychedelic, heavy psychedelic rock and, and stoner rock and things like that. So I've gotten into bands like um, uh, Caius and uh, there's a band called Old, O-L-D-E, 
they're like a heavy doom. And I was listening to that a lot like last year. And now the song that I'm making now sounds like kind of like that, that heavy doom stuff. So, um, yeah, I haven't had a lot recently that inspired me, but I'm always looking for new music. So if you have any suggestions, <laughs> I, I, I just got into Caius not too long ago. They're fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a, I, I've got a playlist, uh, that I, that I kind of keep, uh, updated regularly with some new shit that I'm finding. So I'll send that your way. Um, nice. yeah. Uh, I dig on a lot of Golden Plate stuff too. Have you heard of them? Oh yeah, that's, I'm vaguely familiar with the, those guys. They're, they're actually uh, quintuplets, uh, so so I've heard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I hear the re- the lead singer is a real asshole. <laughs> uh, I like his sting- singing style though. He's got this kind of like Bowie thing going on that I liked about Bowie and She Wants Revenge and. Uh, that's what kind of reminds me of, anyway, is that the singing style, anyway. That's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh-huh. this let, let's let's uh, let's let's keep this about you guys because uh, your music's pretty <laughs> badass too. I'm gonna play that track you sent me in a little bit here. That's uh, I really really dig this uh, this song that you wrote, the unraveling. Um, that's a lot. That's a really fun track. But uh, uh, on a scale of one to ten. How weird are you? <laughs> um, probably weirder than uh, people perceive me to be, but um, one to ten, yeah, I'm up there. I don't know. I'll give myself a seven. A seven, at that's least. A, that's a solid <laughs> C minus. Let's 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 start. What 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 makes you uh, what makes you a seven? What would be uh, what would be a thing that's happened in your life that's like, yep, I'm a solid seven. <laughs> Um, just like feeling like you're, no matter what setting you're in or what environment or, uh, what crowd you're around, you you just, you don't feel quite like, oh, I like these people. So I belong with them. It's like, you try to make the puzzle piece fit. (laughs) You move from like New York to Florida to Washington state. And it's like, no matter where you are, it's like, you're kind of the outsider. (laughs) (laughs) I was too liberal for Florida and too conservative for Seattle, so I don't understand. I am. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I moved from California to Utah, and I was too liberal for Utah and too conservative for for California. It's 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 a pretty uh, like it, it's funny because I'm probably more socially progressive than most of my liberal friends, but then I'm like, no, you know what? Amazon's not that bad. You know, like they they bring me stuff. You know, they bring me music gear. I like them. um but yeah that's it it, it's it it is that's a it's always a weird uh place when you know you're you're kind of an outside the box thinker and uh you don't fit into the typical tropes of the state that you live in i've moved around enough to know that for sure uh what would you say that in in life your biggest failure was and what did you what would you learn for it either in your personal life or as a musician wow um, I think just, and I think, and I think I mentioned this when I when I was talking with uh, with uh, Barden, but but uh, uh, um, not realizing or what I am until way late, like like get to that place where you know who you are. 
Am I frozen? Yeah, you <laughs> realized I had a knack for music but... until I'd already gone to school, gotten a degree in something else. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that I understand that I enjoy doing this now and that I can have kind of a second life on the side uh, doing music, something I'm passionate about and something that I think about all the time, all day long, <laughs> you know. Oh, I know. So I would say that would that'd be a failure of like self realization or something just like not understanding who you are and letting other people define what you are i can totally relate to that i spent 10 years selling cars <laughs> um <laughs> you gotta eat right <laughs> yeah exactly and, th and then i discovered that you know i could make money doing lights and sound for concerts and that you know i haven't, haven't i'll probably never go back to sales again if i don't have to <laughs> yeah um, well, plus, you're still kind of in the industry that you want to be a part of, right? <laughs> exactly. No, it's it's awesome. I meet I meet you know roadies and venue owners and stuff all the time. It's it's fantastic. Um, so, what advice would you give to somebody who's aspiring to be a musician and put themselves out there with their music? Oh, just put in the ten thousand hours on whatever you're really passionate about get good at guitar or, or working in a DAW or uh you know sequencing beats whatever whatever you love man just keep keep on um plugging away at it and uh because you do get better and you do get a better understanding of how to do these things so that when you get to a place that you're ready to write that great song you can do it quickly you understand how to how to load everything in into the sequencer and you understand you know concepts of how to like do fills and drums and like whatever you need to know is already up there so that would be my advice is just learn keep on plugging yeah <laughs> keep, on truck <laughs> keep on trucking keep on trucking i love that ten thousand hour thing i've got a buddy who's actually he does uh he does like day trading and stuff right and he, he says the same shit ten thousand hours for man it's a marathon not a sprint it's just five hours working full time every day you know, that's uh, your five years of that and you, you become a master of it. And I'm like, he says that and I'm like, it's the same thing. Guitarists say the same shit all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that's I, true. It's it's every, everyone thinks that people are born with talent. And I'm like, Jimi Hendrix used to spend eight hours a day in his bathroom trying to figure out what angles his guitar <laughs> bouncing off the tile would sound the best. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it it doesn't come naturally. It's it it takes a lot of hard work, and I I think people sometimes just see how easy it looks on stage and don't understand yeah. the infinite time that it took to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was not gifted with like a great singing voice, but if you sing in your car in your shower for like fifteen years, you can develop some techniques. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a that's a hundred percent. And then of course you know you you go to school and you take a couple singing lessons. You're like, oh fuck, I've been doing that wrong a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also key. Yeah, it's like have someone who knows what they're doing explain to you how to hit the high notes instead of like squeezing and sounding like a little girl. You know. Oh yeah. For <clears throat> sure. Uh, <laughs> so who would you say are three people that have been the most influential to you? Um. You know, uh, just energy-wise and joy of um, music-wise, um, Kurt Cobain really opened up, wow, this can be aggressive and still be melodic, and it can have energy but still have, you know, a purpose. Um, 
And beyond that, Trent Reznor's ability to be a one-man band, he's got a bunch of guys around him, but they're all just sitting there while he, he works his magic on his laptop and whatnot. He didn't have a laptop in 1991, but um, <laughs> he, he kind of gave us all permission to uh, understand how one person could actually use technology in a manner that created the sound of a band. And then he took that music on the road and made it into one of the greatest live acts of that era, that early 90s sound. Even though he wasn't riding the grunge wave, he kind of came out of the, the 80s industrial scene. Um, but, you know, he knew what he wanted and, and he put it all together. And that's kind of what I do now is like, I have an idea and I mostly do it all myself because I can't wait for other people to get their ass going and motivated and, and to help me out. And it's hard to get, as, you're, as an adult, it's hard to get a bunch of people in the room all the time to constantly be working on something. If that's not what you're doing to make money for your primary work. Work, <laughs> you know. If I'd been younger, I would have tried to get four guys or at least two in a house together that would just concentrate on making music like all day long on their weekends or whatever time they had, because um, th that's really how you get a band going as a twenty-something. Um, and then the third one I would say was uh, just the poetry and the art of Jim Morrison and the Doors. Um, and I might put Pink Floyd in there with that too. I mean, you take that first Doors album and say Dark Side of the Moon. Um, you know, those records are always going to be in people's collections because they're just so like beautiful and poetic. <laughs> no, that's that's without question. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned uh, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. I don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's a true story, but I've always heard this uh this story about how trent reznor before you know nine inch nails existed he worked as like a custodian in a studio somewhere and instead of you know he got paid in studio time and he'd stay late and you know work mm -hmm. and learn how to record and mix and all that on his own with all this nice equipment i always thought that was really cool i don't know if it's true or not but <laughs> it's supposedly uh, true yeah he worked at uh a, a recording studio as a janitor and I just kind of picture him with like a cart full of like cleaning supplies, like running around cleaning as fast as he could because he knew Studio Three, there was nobody in there, and he needed to learn how to how to use this synthesizer. <laughs> so he's like cleaning and then like playing with the keyboard. <laughs> but yeah, he recorded the, the demo for a pretty hate machine, like on his own on just like studios that bands had just left that no band was coming in for a couple hours. You know, that's pretty. That's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that takes serious dedication, uh, and that's 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 a that's an important thing in music. His dedication. I think uh, if if people knew the the amount of hours that are put in, not to just recording and making the music, but then you know going and emailing every college radio station with your new single in the United States with a personalized email, that takes some time. <laughs> um, but. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we've got this. Uh, we've got this track uh, that we're going to listen to here, "The Unraveling." Um, I'm pretty stoked on it. Uh, now, where where can uh, people find this online? Um, it's everywhere. So it's it's on Bandcamp for download, but it's also streaming on YouTube, 
Spotify, just about every streaming service right now. It, it took an extra couple of weeks because of COVID, but it finally got on Spotify. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, give us some streams and check it out. It has like a one-minute intro when the, the, the vocals don't start yet, but that's because I, I was inspired by this band. Um, uh, it was a band called Amplifier. Okay. Um, kind of a psychedelic rock band, and their album starts with this like driving, strumming, like three, four guitar, and it just expands from there. And I, I kind of like like that idea, so that I kind of started with that and s- wanted to see where I took it. So that's kind of where the song idea came from. All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead. And There's a lot of COVID-inspired lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, yeah. But let's give that a roll and then give that a listen real quick. Here we go. The Unraveling by Ashland Station. So 
B-E-A beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely hear the Seattle influence in that too. I love it. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Absolutely. Uh, and I have a super soft spot for songs in 6 8. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that was rad. Thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Um, yeah, man. So, so talk, talk, tell us a lot of fun to bank. I, I bet. Tell us a little bit about your process in the studio. You're you're obviously only you. Uh, do you where do you where do you start yeah. in your recording? Like, what's your uh, what's your starting point when you know you're done? That kind of thing. Um. Well, I'll start. I'll make like a like a guide beat that I can like um, play along to. So uh, I knew that I wanted the guitar part first. So you have kind of a guide drum. I put the kind of clean part down and then playing around with the bass, I'll add a bass next. And then um, and then I just started trying to arrange, okay, where are the changes? Where are, what am I doing? Is it just going to keep strumming? No, I got to slide up here and that sounds cool. I'll keep that in. And <laughs> I had one bass part picked out, which is just kind of like the the. the but when I started recording, it sounded way cooler if I just slid it instead of like going between the two strings. So, you know, that kind of evolved as I was record doing the recording. And then since I was just sitting around after work here, because, you know, we couldn't really do anything. This was like March, April time frame, whenever we were all like um, sheltering in place and just started working on uh, some lyrics and the voice that came out. Didn't sound like my voice on other songs, but it was awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> kept that in. And one night, I told my wife, "I'm like, my chest feels kind of like big, like like I could boom, really boom it right now." And that's like the night that I recorded that final chorus, where I'm like way up there, like uh, CCR or the Toadies or something. And so that was pretty awesome. I'm glad I was able to keep those takes. Um, when do I know when I'm done? That's that's pretty tough because I'm a terrible mixer. Um, <laughs> so that process takes as long as the rest of it altogether. So it's probably a month of recording and then a month of mixer, mixing and arranging. And eventually I did two verses and two choruses and asked my buddy to do a guitar solo for me and wham, bam. It was probably the fastest song I've written in a decade or more. <laughs> <laughs> Progress. Yeah, I, I, I get that about mixing. Um, it's, it's, it's rough when you're doing it on your own. I, I keep on looking on Sound Better and I see that for only like $500, which is a lot of, you know, a lot of money when you're, you know, independent artist, uh, you can get like the dude who mixed Absolution by Muse to mix your track, ah. right? And I'm like, <laughs> that sounds so worth it, but I don't have 500 bucks. <laughs> so I'm just gonna do it myself, and it's not gonna sound nearly as good as it would if that guy did it. But you know, I'm I'm learning. I'm getting better. <laughs> oh man, that's a monster album. I saw them on that tour in Orlando. I'm like, wow, there's this many people that like Muse. Yeah, in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it it always shocks me. Like it's you know, like every time I've ever seen Muse, I've probably seen them twelve times. Uh, and it's always a sold out stadium show. And I, I do, you know, I work at stadium shows and usually the people that sell out stadium shows are people I'd never listened to in a million years, you know, or people that I appreciate, you know, like your Whitney Houston's and your, you know, stuff like that. But then, you know, when, when Muse comes to town and that sells out and it's the biggest, most badass show of the year, you know, it's, it's, ah, they just do great things. Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? 
Oh, um, fuck. <laughs> right? It just doesn't. I don't know. I, it would. It would be anything else but fuck. I, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I think one time, me and my buddy had some fungus, and I kept saying "holy fuck balls." But other than that, <laughs> yep. That that's that that takes it to another level for sure. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're obviously doing all, all of the things. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm assuming your drums are programmed or something of that. Or do, do you play the drums? Yeah. No, the drums I'm still sequencing and reason because I'm a dinosaur. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I play every other instrument, including my, my vocal cords. So. Yeah. So it takes a lot of gear to play all those instruments. What would you say your favorite piece of gear in your studio is? Um, probably just my my strat, my blue strat. Uh, I can go get it. <laughs> um, it's just a regular blue strat, but uh, it's like something like um, oh, Lake Placid Blue. Uh, and it's just real nice. I was playing a copy for years and years, but getting the real thing is, it just feels nice. Yeah, I, um, I used to have a really nice Strat. It got stolen. I was very upset. It was, uh, it was like a, eight, they only made a hundred of these like Japanese all black Strats in the 80s. And I, I got one for graduation uh, from my uncle and it got stolen. It was a very sad day. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's my baby. My baby. I've tried like Les Pauls, uh, Epiphone, and Gibson Les Pauls, and I could just never get a good, a good sound out of it. Maybe it's my fault because <laughs> everyone else seems to get a good sound out of them. But I prefer the like thinner profile fenders. Like that's just less to get my arm around or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm the same. I I that's the only one guitar that I've probably you'll never see me playing as a Les Paul because I'm the same way. I, I don't. But, uh, you know, I mean, you have Slash walking around, you know, playing nothing but him and everyone loves him. But I'm a telly guy, personally. That's my uh, that's my jam for sure. Yeah. Right. Desert Island. You, you, you fall out of plane with ever. Uh, it's a plane full of every record that's ever existed. And, you know, you only get to, you only have a time to save three to play on your coconut powered record player on the island. That you're going to be stuck mm. in for the next 10 years. Uh, what three albums do you grab? Oh wow! Um, Allison Chains, Dirt, Tools, Enema, and something to chill me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe Dark Side of the Moon, or maybe like Portishead's first record, or Massive Attack's Mezzanine, or yeah, something like that. You can't you can't go wrong <laughs> with a good trip hop album to chill you out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I love that. Well, I'm on a desert island. I probably, sure. you know, don't want to be getting all hyped constantly. You gotta save your energy yeah. for hunting crabs and whatever. Right. <laughs> Talking to your volleyball. Uh, <laughs> so, what what would you say that the most unpopular opinion that you have that you absolutely know is true would be? An unpopular opinion, <laughs> uh, m musically or in general? In general, <laughs> not. Fuck it. Uh -huh. Fuck it, in general. Anything? In life, yeah. Um, 
probably that um, that drugs should be legalized, like in Portugal. <laughs> that would probably be my um, the most unpopular opinion I can think of that I have. I didn't know that was an unpopular opinion, but I, I, I mean, I guess you know, <laughs> I guess it is if they still. I just think it should be, aren't. you know, treated like a health issue. You instead of a criminal issue, you know. No, abs- you're 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 absolutely a hundred percent spot on there. I mean, it's it's kind of absurd that we have the pr- prison population we do, and most of it are people who've never done anything to hurt anybody that just you know had a little bit of. Fuck, there's still people in jail for pot, <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, for decades. <laughs> for decades, it's insane. You can you can hear you know you're in Washington, you know, you're in California too. You walk into what looks like the Apple Store and buy a pre-rolled mm-hmm. joint uh, for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's so weird to have friends in states where it's not been decriminalized even, and they're just kind of like, whoa, what's that like? It's like, well, I go to the corner. Or if I need something, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's, it's just. Yeah, I lived you know, in Utah. It's just like getting a pack of smokes, or. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something insane. like that, and it's it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. in, in Utah, they just legalized medical like a couple months ago, and they still haven't quite implemented it yet. Um, and you know that's kind of where the the elder Bryson shit comes from right it's uh living in Utah for all those years I feel like I need to be a, a, a an evangelist or a, or a missionary for the rock and roll lifestyle you know someone someone's got to represent mm-hmm. us crazies right <laughs> um so like a heavy metal right <laughs> exactly uh so it's it's just crazy that that people are still so adamant that you know if if they make pot legal for, uh, you know, people with actual cancer and, you know, issues that, you know, Dr. Feelgood's just going to go write prescription for kids so that they can get high on their lunch break at school like they don't already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's insane to me. I was in Florida for, like, the opioid epidemic. It wasn't my thing, but I definitely saw it. And it was like... Um, everyone's on Xanax and, you know, trying to find more Xanax because they're running out of Xanax. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I've, I've How was that better? And I've, I, it's not, I've absolutely <laughs> lost friends to addiction and it's, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, it's, it's, it's a struggle out there for real. And that stuff's not, I, I don't even like Vicodin. Like, it's like, nah, I'll take ibuprofen. That's cool. But, you know, give me, <laughs> give me 17 yeah. hits of LSD and I'm good to go. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of backwards like that. Everyone else is all, you know, you know, nah, man, give me give me whatever the the prescription. Drug. I'm like, gross. Give me some some pot and some acid. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, every single one of my heroes died from heroin. Maybe I should try that. Yeah. Like, right. no. <laughs> And it, you're you're absolutely like most of the people. Yeah, most of the twenty seven club are my heroes. Like it's, I I, I want right, I want right. to have been them, but then I wish that I could still see them live now, right. and it's not an option. Um, although it was pretty cool. It's I hard saw, to reconcile. Like. Yeah, 
it was it was really awesome. But like I, I, a couple of my friends started crying at this. A couple of years ago, the Foo Fighters uh, did this weird like back in time thing when they uh, they they played like their new stuff and then they kept on get progressively playing older and older music until finally they mm-hmm. went off stage. They played This Is a Call. They went off stage. They disappeared for ten minutes. They made a bunch of changes on the stage. Dave Grohl comes out, sits behind the drum kits. Chris comes out on uh, on bass. Pat Smear comes out on guitar, and then they have uh, John McCauley come out from Deertick come out and play three Nirvana songs with them, and then uh, Joan Jett came out and played mm-hmm. three more with them, and it was really fucking cool. Yeah. But it was also really fucking <laughs> like that could be Nirvana, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's rough. Like he's supposed to be here for the reunion. Like they would have had a reunion a reunion by now, even if they broke up in '94. Right. Before. Exactly. I mean, Soundgarden even had a review, reunion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, Chris Cornell's another one, but you know, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's depressing, but yeah, it, and if there were real treatment options available, so maybe some of this wouldn't happen. Um, right. Yeah, if it well, didn't cost forty thousand dollars to go to rehab, <laughs> yeah, fuck, it's it's insane. <laughs> uh, so, what would what would you say a, a common myth about being a musician is that's just absolutely not true? Um, um, I don't know that it's easy. Um, <laughs> it's made to look easy because you know they've rehearsed a thousand times, but it's incredibly hard. Uh, um. Just probably just being on a stage is hard, <laughs> and you ignore that. And it's just like, woo, this is so much fun. But you know, you're there to perform. It's like a recital. Like, ever have a recital when you were younger? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, once it was terrifying. I was, uh, yeah, I, I was all. Uh, for me, it was mostly sports, and in, in high school, I didn't get it. Start playing music till I was, you know, sixteen. Um, so for, for me, it was always, you know, like, oh man, if I don't, if I don't make this play, you know, it's what, what's going to happen. Right. Like that, that was the the horror growing up. And then, you know, dad never even Mm. showed up to the games anyway. So eh. (laughs) (laughs) I learned learned to deal with, I learned the disappointment is okay from a pretty young age. Um, (laughs) yeah, but, uh. Ah, Sean, that was that was great. I, I I really love the new track, and I hope everybody who listens to it goes and follows you on the social medias and checks out your streaming tracks on the uh, on the Spotify's yeah. and the Bandcamps and what have you. And uh, yeah, do you have any final words for for our audience? Yeah, definitely. Uh, give me a listen. Check them. Check them out. You know, a lot of work goes into those songs. If nobody hears them, it's like the tree in the forest. You know. <laughs> for sure yeah. awesome well thank you for joining us uh this this will be up soon and uh we'll uh keep on keep on making music man we appreciate you yeah you too thank you all right thanks for having me absolutely sean you have a great great afternoon a feral yeah. beast all right who roams across the land is he a monster